you ever seen a blue sky? Sure. What was it like? It was the deepest blue you ever saw. But it was more than that. White clouds suddenly turned dark with rain. And the smell of grass after the storm. Red leaves in fall. Snow in winter. It was beautiful. And we thought it would last forever. We're back. Hey, and we are watchers. talking part four of our Highlander to the Quickening. I always say Highlander to the Quickening, and I it make it long because I always forget what the movie's called. Highlander <laughs> to the Renegade Quickening Edition of Ultimate. Yeah, Highlander <laughs> to. <laughs> oh, Christopher Lambert is not in good shape today. <laughs> yeah, he's in rough shape. <laughs> Jimmy, is it you want to see Jimmy? Jimmy, well, Jimmy, Jimmy's a good boy. You don't talk about Jimmy. He drinks that milk. I um, like the blue Romulan milk. Yeah, ooh, the blue drink in Star Wars. Blue drink in Star Wars. It's delicious. Very good. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. And this is Eamon. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we revisit another aspect of the Highlander franchise. And we are deep into part four. Well, we're not deep into part four, but we're deep into the series of episodes on Highlander 2, The Quickening. That's right. Uh, and we are dissecting it in detail. Mm-hmm. Too painfully much too much yeah. detail <laughs> we are every frame of celluloid is being looked at under a microscope yeah, we are eviscerating this carcass <laughs> yeah we are eviscerating our sanity yeah. <laughs> so Guys, how many times did you see this movie in preparation for doing this four i think three for me three for me which is twice too many <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> that was a lot louder than i thought it was that louder. loud pouring beer <laughs> I'm drinking a beer. I'm drinking Oskava. A brewski. <laughs> some Oskava. Right. Some Bruskava. We've left Zeist. Connor's back to being a young stud. He has sex in an alley. Uh, Covered in trash. Ramirez geez. gets teleported into a play. He gets some new threads. Yeah. He sexually uh, harasses a woman on a plane. But she loves it. She loves it. Because she's it's also insane. Way. Yeah. Let's see. What else? Connor talks to his friend Alan. Who tells him the shield is okay and gives him coordinates? Katana's back. He blows up a train. Yeah, uh, murders yeah. many people. Yeah. Many people. Tortures uh, a cab driver. Whoa, fuck, man! <laughs> uh, and then I guess decides to uh, join a business like a corporation. Yep. Did he like buy any stock? Do you think, Probably. or is he just acting as a director? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, now we'll kick off this episode with an exciting scene in Alan Neyman's office. <laughs> yeah, super exciting. But our, the best character in this whole movie is in it more. Cox. John C. McGinley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox, a.k.a. Blake. He's uh, been monitoring all of Neiman's transmissions on that weird 
piece of glass or whatever. And <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That even includes your little private messages with McLeod. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, yeah, that yeah, is good. So he knows that Alan's been, I guess, like leaking information. Presumably he's leaking information, had leaked information to Luis. Right. So he's donezo. But he also makes this point of like, you can't shut off the shield. There isn't That's enough. That's so weird. I don't understand how this works. There's not enough energy on the planet to shut it down. Like, I understand that you can't just shut it off, that there'd be safeguards or whatever. But, like, I don't know. They're saying that they're siphoning all this energy from, like, all over the world. And it's like, what if they just stopped giving you energy? If they didn't get energy, wouldn't it just shut off? And it would have to. Right. Like, it literally couldn't not. Like, I thought about this for too long, trying to figure out what the hell that could mean. I thought he meant to, like, destroy it. Like, if you were trying to, like, hit the shield itself like not the generator but if you're trying to like punch a hole in the shield but that makes no goddamn sense no i think he's just talking about like flipping the off switch like it that's just not won't how you that, do it that's weird it doesn't make any sense and he's like that was only if the shield was threatened and he's like i thought that was what was happening yeah it's <laughs> all upset oh yeah he like throws a chair it's awesome yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason <laughs> the level of tension in this scene is confusing because i don't understand what any of the words they're saying mean. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Cox does a good angry. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely working hard at whatever yeah. it is he's yep. doing. Uh, so he's like, we have a special place for people that are traitors like you. Mm. Ooh, it's very ominous. Yeah, which I guess this corporation has its own private prison. Man, this is why they got to stop private prisons, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so they do actually need to stop that, but for unrelated yes. reasons. Yeah, not because of Highlander 2. <laughs> Highlander 2 changes the world, man. Yeah, because the prison industrial complex. Oh. What? Max. So we cut back to our heroes. I guess. I think. I guess we're in the mansion. Luis is there, and she's asking, like, "Who's the girl in the painting?" And Connor's explaining that it's Heather, his first wife. Blah blah blah. And like, there's this like pop song playing in the background. It's just like a love ballad pop thing. And I just was like, "Why is this not Who Wants to Live Forever?" Mm-hmm. Like, this seems like the perfect opportunity to call back that though. I know. Well, but yeah, but why? Like, put it here. Yeah. Because this has to do with like the song "Who Wants to Live Forever" is not a love song in the traditional sense like they play it when they fuck in an alley like that seems to go against almost everything that song is about like the song is about falling in love and losing the person you love and is that worth it or not or it's about fucking in an alley like why would you play that song when people just bang in an alley and then it makes sense in relation to the first movie because like he's talking about heather and blah 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 so like yeah. It would make sense to play it now I, as yeah. like a callback. Yeah. Because that was the introduction of that song. Exactly. Right. I don't know. So it's very strange that th- that song should be here, I think. Yeah. But whatever. So then he mentions Brenda was his last wife, and she died 29 years ago in New York City. In the radiation ward. <laughs> so she dies in 95 in New York. Windows 95. That's right. So she's, she's I guess, to death. she's like, yeah. oh, that must be like a long time to be alone. And he's like, hey, it's okay. You get used to it. And he's like, no, it's not good. Yeah, and she's he, like, oh, do you? No. No. <laughs> like, he gets instantly droopy. He's like, no. Like, yeah. it reminded me of the scene with him and Ramirez in the first movie, like, where he's, like, laughing and, ha, ha, I hate you. It's like, yeah. she, like he just, like, he instantly gets droopy and is like, no. no. It's like, oh, boy. So then he gets the buzz. And he goes and he grabs that stupid Zeist sword. I hate Hold on. the Zeist sword. I think, uh, so... When Luis and him are talking, I took note that, like, Mac is covered in dirt. <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah. why is he all dirty? And it doesn't make any sense. It's like, where was he? Well, the special edition answers that question because the order of scenes is completely changed. Right. Uh, so the scene that we end up in the theatrical version getting at the very end. Yeah. Like, the very end. Happens before this. And so Connor's just returned home from fighting 
Katana. So basically, in the special edition, it's reordered. So when he confronts Katana in the the uh, the warehouse the, or well, in the graveyard, right. it kind of goes from there to a fight scene. Right. Like so, that taxi drops off Katana at some like kind of rando abandoned place. Yeah. And he's like, "I'm waiting for you, McCloud." Like he's screaming at the well, top of this thing. And it's like the thing in 1989 Batman. Like he has to go up the stairs. Yes. Of the bell tower. Yeah, and then th- he hangs Jerry like. A corpse falls down, right? And it's Jerry, the the cab driver. Jerry, it's, Jerry, Jerry. This is weird. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's really reordered, and all, but it does make more sense because the whole time in this the theatrical version, like when Katana shows up at the boardroom, like I have in my notes, like it's like what what is his plan? Like you were just at Brenda's grave with Connor. You you came to this planet to kill him. He's like shoving you around. He's like, I want to kill you too. Just go kill each other. Like you were both in for this like what is your bigger scheme like he doesn't seem like the sort of guy that has like some intricate plan like he just wants to lop max head off and in the special edition they fix that because it's like well they go from the graveyard basically like i'll see you over there like meet me in the playground and we'll fight like yeah yeah and they go to it's like oh of course that makes more sense do we want to talk about that fight scene now or do we want to talk about it when it ultimately appears in the theatrical cut all my notes on it are for later. In the here it gets like kind of hard to disentangle the two from here on out. Yeah. It's just a lot of flipping back and forth. Yeah, because things really get reordered. Yeah. So. Well, let's press onward, I guess. All right. So Max all dirty. He's talking about Brenda. But then he gets the buzz uh, and all the lights go off and he grabs his sword. Uh, and his sword at this point is not the katana from the first movie. It's right. the Zeiss sword. It's the Zeiss, Zeiss sword, sword that, that he took from one of those Korda. Sonic or Knuckles. Yeah. Right. His but, tails. Because they were flying. Yeah. And Ramirez is using the stage sword. Like, I paused it. He's not using the samurai sword yet. Right. Also, this is a boring sword fight. Uh, This is, I, I don't know. I thought it was boring. I think it's lit kind of cool. Like, it's all in the dark, I and I guess the reason they do it in the dark is because, like, Connor just fought Katana, at least in the, thea- the, the special edition. So this makes sense, and it's like, oh, shit, did Katana follow me back home? Right. It's like, he's here. So he tells, of course, Louise to hide again, because she, all she does is hide in this movie. Hey, uh, hey, she also bangs him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> but it's a fake out, and it turns out it's Ramirez, and they have, like, a playful sparring. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fun. Do you even think the sound effects of the swords are weird in this movie? Yeah. They like they used real swords most of this movie, and I feel like the sounds they're using are real swords. And it's like very like cling clang, like it doesn't sound good to me. Yeah. Even if it's like authentic. It's one of those things like I don't know, if you ever hear a real gunshot, it's like gunshots are not as like bombastic as they are on like tv or movies like you know what i mean like they're very yeah. short they're crisp like i don't know it's, it's different. like a car backfiring yeah uh and it's like i feel like this is one of those instances it's like you know what i know it's not real but like you Use got some p- of that movie magic yeah like yeah. i want some real flashy sounds, flashy music sounds. In this scene why did they bad. stop using metal swords Oh, because everyone was cutting pieces of their fingers off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think uh, Lambert was surprised it would be hard to, what, wield a 22-pound mm. longsword? And, of course, we all know that Lambert has, what, sight my, problems. Sight problems. Yeah. Broken eyeballs. <laughs> Who was, like, willing to step opposite him? I'm sure some insurance company didn't step in. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, not that guy. So then there's this, like, sculpture gag. Yeah, this is weird. So they're fighting, and then, like... Ramirez swings and he's gonna hit some sculpture and Max's like no <laughs> and I guess it's it's like an ugly it is kind of ugly it's like it's hideous it's yeah, okay it's just like one of Tess's sculptures 
It's like Coke bo- like colored Coke bottles with like angel wings. Angel wings on like a weird shelf or something. <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be like a gag. Like he missed out on like Brancusi and like all these different things. I'm like, oh, like what's art? Yeah. Whatever. I guess that's kind of funny, I guess, maybe. That's a sculpture. If they had set this movie again, like in the 80s or whatever, like let's have Ramirez come back and it's just a fish out of water story. Like the episode of Nefer- with Nefertiri in the series. Right. It's like... I, I'm all on board Connery being Connery and Lambert. Like, when they're together, they honestly... Just Lambert around? Yeah, like, they pal around well. Like, yeah. they, they get it done. Three pals of the planet's ice, Tammy. So after this fight, they pour themselves drinks and toast to magic and to Zeist. To magic. I hate this. To Zeist. <laughs> but also, Luis is scared out of her mind, hiding upstairs. And they're like, all right, we're done. Let's just, like, they just start hanging out and drinking. And they're like, oh, yeah, she's up there hiding. Like, they totally forgot her. (laughs) Nice job, Connor. Just left left her in the dumpster. She's actually still there. So you two knew each other for a long time. Uh, And then Connery says another creepy thing here because uh, Lambert's like, oh, she's wanted by the police. And then he's like, or does he say something about, like, oh, things have changed over the years. Like, you're hot. At least some things have improved or something like that. The police have good taste or something like that. But I think he does say something, like, women have improved or something. It's really, ugh. (laughs) God damn it. So we cut a little later. Ramirez is looking out the window at the shield. Did anyone notice what Mac is doing? No. Uh, Ramirez is like, come here. Mac gets up. He has a table full of Wendy's. Mac is drinking a (laughs) child-sized Frosty. In this scene, my this is not this is not the last time we will see Wendy's in this. Yeah, uh, which I'm surprised because maybe it's product placement. I got the impression because it's such a weird pickup shot because it's literally just Mac like getting up and walking over to Ramirez. Like, did they film this on lunch break? Like on lunch, really? Like Mac was just eating. Like Lambert was eating Wendy's and got up and they had it on film and they used. I don't know, but it happens later. But it happens later. Yeah, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Also, I I thought in the special edition, I thought they took out the Wendy's the first time. Oh. I think they use a different shot, which didn't have it in it. But the Wendy's appears later in the doctor's office. Yep. Oh, oh boy. boy. <laughs> Ramirez is not into the shield. He's like, you created this monstrosity. It was necessary at the time. And so was Noah's flood. Right. So, so, that, so that man could be reborn. So I guess the Zeistians believe in some sort of Judeo-Christian God. God. I guess. <laughs> I guess. It's but a complicated... he doesn't know what shithead is. <laughs> He's like, I am well-versed in all of your ancient religions, but not your basic swears. I don't know Shakespeare, but I know the Bible. So in this scene, Mac goes over to this globe in the special edition, and he, like, points out that, like, these are the coordinates we need to go to. Like, they get kind of a game plan, it would seem. Yeah. In the theatrical version, I don't know if they're using a different take or what they do, but when Mac goes over to the shield, he's just like, he, like, mumbles. He's like... Here at this, the only way. And it's like, what? what? Like, I had to watch it like four times. I was like, what are you doing? It's really unclear. And it's because they want to take out, I guess, the references to like coordinates and some so, other thing. Because that wasn't going to be in the theatrical version. That makes sense. And then I guess in the Ultimate Edition, does Connery smash the shield that's surrounding the globe? Okay, cool, man. Because <laughs> time, oh. Oh, he, But he also is like, our time is now. And, yeah. and, he, and it, like, that, that's one of these quips. Like, yeah. Well, he says, your time is your now. Your time is He's now. He's referring to the Zeist oh. thing. Not we, was that, you. That's, what I, that that's what how I took it. Oh, yeah. all right. And so in the theatrical version, Brenda comes, and she got some kind of line that Alan got taken to Max, right? That's yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. She delivers the news that Alan has been imprisoned in Max. Max. Who's Max? 
Max is the boy version of Polly Pocket. Mighty Max. That's right. The next scene, this is a pretty amazing. So they pull up to the oh, Supermax prison. Good God. Yeah. Uh, we're going to play this clip. We're on like the runaway train that is the end of this movie. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, the sign that is displayed at this yeah. security, I don't even want to say gate, because there does not appear to be a gate. Yeah. Like this is an There's unguarded just a camera. Entry. There's a camera, and then you can just drive in. Anyway, the sign says, unauthorized persons proceed beyond this point blah 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 uh they spelled unauthorized wrong which is really fantastic <laughs> Woo! good stuff uh Woo. so the dialogue they talk to the the camera this dialogue is kind of different in the special edition again it's one of those things i don't yeah. know why they added this back in so this this like robot camera appears and it's like who are you Ramirez is like, I'm Juan Sancho's R- Villalobos Ramirez. Uh, and he, Chief metallurgist. He says like the whole shit. He does the whole thing. Movie. And it's like, okay, that's kind of funny. And then Lambert, probably improvising this because it's awful, yeah. is like, hey, it's our first time in the desert. Like, uh, where, where do we go? Where, where do we, which way to Vegas? Uh, and then Lambert responds by just going like, hit it in the theatrical version. Yeah. In the, like, they cut out this dialogue because it's so shitty. And then the special edition, he goes, hit it, dude. Well, hit Connery it, dude. says it. That's what I meant. I'm yeah. sorry. He Connery says, says hit, hit it, it, We're hit gonna it listen dude. To this, dude. This, is, dude. this is some of the worst writing in this whole movie. If it's even writing, I hate this. You have entered a restricted area. You're subject Please to arrest or termination. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, Chief Metallurgist to King Philip II of Spain, and I am at your service. This is Checkpoint One outside of Security Installation Max. Identify yourself. Hey, take it easy, man. First time in the desert. Which way to Vegas? Okay, jerk face. Jerk face. Stay put, we'll come get you. Hit it, dude. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Hit it, dude. Like, at least this is so cartoonishly silly that I'm entertained by this it. This part is awesome. This part's so fucking crazy. <laughs> this is just, like, bonkers. Like, what happens? Yeah. So, right, so, so Eamon, Eamon, indeed, tell us what happens now. They're just going well, on, And this like, is their plan. Yeah. This is by design. They're going on, like, a kamikaze death mission, just driving through all the guards, and they're getting, like, shot the fuck up. I feel like, like this, is, this car, is a Bonnie and Clyde thing, I think, as well. This is insane. Like, I was actually behind this because it's so crazy. It's I like, like this. This is one of the few parts of this movie that their immortality comes into play. That matters. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, yeah. this movie could maybe exist without there being immortals, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't seem to matter. No. Like so I all. think that's kind of cool. But like the car is getting shot up, they're getting shot up. There's blood all over the place. Like it's brutal. Yeah, it's like really intense. I, I like this scene. Like this, I feel like could be a cool thing for like a character like the Kurgan to do. Yeah, like it's like I don't care about my body or any. Like it's like shoot me up. Like yeah. I need to get into a place, and this could be a scheme for him to do whatever. It almost right. would have been cool if like. They then got out of the car with their swords and were like chopping through all the guards or something. Like, but they just use it to sneak in to, yeah, the, to, to the, the morgue. Yeah. But this could have been like a cool, like, action sequence or something. Though their level of immortality powers would have had to have been ratcheted up to like a thousand. Yeah. Because they get shot over a hundred times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they're each. in the morgue. And then we meet uh, the doctor. Just to be clear, they bust in like right. a horde of guys with submachine guns on loads on them. Yeah. They just get shot to pieces. Meanwhile, oh, yes. Louise. Louise is yeah. in the trunk. Somehow and not somehow shot. Escapes, uh, somehow unshot. Yeah. 
and they like let her out and she's like oh my god these guys grabbed me yeah and none of them recognize yeah. that she is like a known terrorist, terrorist yeah who's on Known for terrorizing them. <laughs> not like, no, like, I can understand if you're just, like, not knowing, like, some random enemy combatant in some This is, theater. like, public enemy number one. This is public yeah. enemy number one, yeah. and you are the one that they're targeting. Right. Like, all your submachine gun dudes should know what she looks like. Like, if they have one picture, like, taped on the inside of, like, the security desk, <laughs> right. it's hers. Like, don't let this person in. <laughs> this specific human. Yeah. And she looks at their bullet-riddled bodies and is just like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so then we meet Dr. Sonny Jackson. Sonny Jackson. Dr. I've looked Sonny over your Jackson. report. As near as I can tell, you have a few bruises and lacerations, but I think you'll be okay in a day or two. A day or two? And he has a Wendy's cup. Yeah, he's got a Wendy's, <laughs> he has a Wendy's right? <laughs> It's amazing. Maybe Wendy's is the one who put up the, the money for the fairy tale ending. <laughs> yeah. Or, the, just call or the, it... the layer. The layer? <laughs> the shield. Yeah. Can we just call that the value meal ending? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, they eventually revive while they're in this like doctor's office morgue area and they house the guards. Yeah. And they're back, baby. And they reveal. This, the... I think this is funny, though. Like, yeah. I like this little scene. It's a cool little thing. Yeah. A cool little thing. <laughs> So the doctor's like, Larry! <laughs> Who's Larry? We'll never know, know, sadly. The world may never know. So they get on this elevator and go down into, like, the depths of... This, Mordor. The, yeah, of whatever this prison is. So they're running around looking for... I guess they split up for whatever reason. It doesn't yeah. end up being significant that they no. split up. Well, like, yeah. what does Sean Connery do? Good question. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. It was. It's pointless. They could have all just gone together. But they go find Alan. And Alan has been, like seemingly tortured yeah he's like been brutalized a mess and this like prison is just like an open tube it's just like they don't have cells or anything they're just like free to crawl around in this weird tube (laughs) there's a lot of tube bases in this like when they mean it's ice in the beginning they're in a tube Tube. yeah they're in the tube ship a lot of tubes they're in the tubey cave yeah (laughs) the eel cave the the tubey eels tube so alan's like were we right to build it like and Max like, yeah, it's okay. And then Alan just dies. So yeah. like in the theatrical version, he tells him nothing. Nothing. Nothing yeah. happens. Nothing all is achieved. Like I guess, like I guess in the waste. theatrical version, are they going there to rescue him? Is that the plan? I, I don't. Do they know. have any objective aside from rescue? I think him? they wanted to just to rescue him. Yeah. So they fail at that. And they fail miserably at that. In the special edition, this doesn't make sense either. Does he give them other coordinates this time? He gives them the coordinates for where the hole in the shield is. Yeah, but then Cox, he's watching them on video get the coordinates from Naaman. And then he, like, turns to Katana and he's like, what if Naaman gave them the coordinates? Like, he just did. Like... (laughs) Well, I don't think he knows what they're saying. Because he he directly asked, like, what if he gave him the coordinates before he died? Right. Right. So he can hear them. That's yeah. He's like listening to them. And, oh, uh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So they've accomplished nothing, right? Yeah. And so Blake is like, "Oh, don't worry. Like they're not going to get out of here alive anyway." And you so said they wouldn't get. At in. some point, I guess they meet back up with Ramirez, yeah. kind of randomly. I think they just walk into this room, and Blake shuts all the doors. It's like what? A, I don't know what this room is. What is? He's this got room? this fan murder room <laughs> yeah. that he's got all set up <laughs> with locking doors. In a movie full of puzzling things, another mm-hmm. puzzling thing happens. Yeah. So this fan is lowering, right? And we get our one big Lambert swear. Holy, Holy shit! shit. <laughs> As if this fan is slowly being lowered to the ground. Also, like, I don't know how this fan works. They could totally make it so it doesn't cut off their head. It's also not moving that fast. So Ramirez has his sword back. 
this and it's is, the samurai sword. It's the samurai, samurai sword. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know if they ever planned on having a scene to show this. Where Connery did anything or accomplished anything in the context of this movie? I don't know. Well, I just want... No, I meant, I meant giving him the Gaudi sword. Gaudi has the sword. Like, yeah. I wish, like, it would have been nice to, like, oh, here's your sword back because it's yeah. your sword. Right. That would have been nice. So, so then we ha- get a speech. Should we play this speech? He introduced this concept that I get. they bring back later, so I guess they thought it was important. A full measure of life. Whatever the fuck that means. Most people have a full measure of life. And most people just watch it slowly drip away. But if you can summon it all up... At one time... The amazing grace on bagpipes. In one place. (laughs) You can accomplish something glorious. So somehow, like, using magic force powers, he's able to repel the fan back to the sea. Using his immortality to, like, stop the fan... Somehow. My time here is over. You must go and search out Katana. It'll take Katana. the power of you both to destroy the shield. Video game battle. Will I ever see you again? Who knows, Highlander? <laughs> Who Wait, knows? The, the giant thing he does. And somehow the door opens. Yeah. Also, the answer is no. <laughs> and I want to point out. And that his sword is stuck, stuck in, in the ground. In, in the ground, cement. Yeah. In the cement near the fan. Then the fan comes crashing down. Yep. And there's like this huge explosion. So that sword is gone forever. <laughs> or, or is, is it? it? Yeah. The answer is no to that also. Yeah. So what the fuck did we just see? I've got two questions. One, was Ramirez ever really alive again? First question. I will say no. Because he like, like he's like a spirit or something. Like he, he like just, in this scene he like disappears. Like the Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, like he doesn't get crushed by this thing. He like vaporizes. Yeah. So like he goes back to being like inside Connor's quickening juice or something. I or don't just know. into the who knows? I don't know. I mean, he has to be because he interacted with all those people. Well, like I'm not saying he's not physical, but like he might like he's not physically manifested in some way. But mm. is he like some kind of like spirit thing? Did know. he revive as an immortal? Uh, I don't know. Because he's like, my time here is done. Like, I feel like he used his immortality my requirement is done. Yeah. to like destroy that fan somehow. That's how I read the scene. That's why he disappears, because he's like done. He used his power to save them. By using his full measure of life? Yeah. He's just, his life bar went down to zero. <laughs> That's right. He had no potions left. <laughs> no more coins or... <laughs> Sean Connery needs food badly. Uh, so Gauntlet, go for it. Okay, so then we would normally cut back to the shield generator office, I guess, and Blake would be like, "You fucked up." But in the you fucked up partner, uh, what, which did he? What, so, but he in the special to? edition, we got to go back a little. Yeah. Yeah. So, rather than that insane jump in the special edition, it's very strange. Oh, they went this... back. They years later, they paid everybody to come back, and they shot a new scene that's pointless and awful day for night bullshit <laughs> like oh is that what it's supposed to be yes oh uh, i was just like why is this movie why is it now so blue like it's it looks terrible because in like, the special features they show them filming that scene and it's during the day like it's not blue or anything right 
And I then, just thought they were trying to make it look like the rest of the movie that has like a blue hue to it, but it's like really bad. But it's supposed yeah, to be nighttime. I think so. Oh, or just under the shield. It looks really bad. It looks awful. Awful. Uh, so yeah. the way this shakes down is they steal like a, a truck or something. Yep. And they escape this Max prison. And Katana is standing in the middle of the yeah. road. And they like s- run, run him, him over, over in the yeah. funniest. Like he just kind of, it's like he flops Oops, down. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, but like, but wait, there's more. He like hangs on to the bottom of the truck. Yeah. Right. Why did they think this was so important they needed to go back and shoot it? There's no reason know. to have it's a fight awful. scene. Yeah. I'm fine with them, like, resh- like shoot some stuff of them just driving away. They escaped. Great. Yeah. And then but just otherwise you to- didn't know that they escaped. Right. Like, we're about to get into that. Like, they, yeah. they, it just all pours on from here in the theatrical Yeah. Part. So at least they can escape and they can go to this place. Like, just show them driving away for a second. Cut to later. And they've arrived at their destination. And let's move on. But this fight scene is pointless. Yep. So they fight. They fight on the car. Louise is driving the car. So uh, during this fight scene, Katana, like, grabs at Luis. And he's like, he goes, time for your bitch to die. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? And this yeah. is so late. This is 95 so, now that they're shooting this. I don't know if it's the, I don't say the, the zeitgeist of the time or the zeitgeist uh, of the time. Zeitgeist. That, like. Just using the, the words in that way is just way more common than we would do today. Uh, Christopher Lambert talks about refilming this scene, and he says that he hated it. Do you want to play it? Yeah, this yeah is good. let's play it. This is good. This is ridiculous. It was very difficult to go back to the same movie four years later because it is not a usual process. See, though, it doesn't Now, look like at the this. end of the day, the result is good. For me as an actor, no, it wasn't very enjoyable. It's like eating leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> Yowza. It's like eating leftovers. That, by the way, looks better than how it looks in the movie. Yeah, a lot better. Hey, Eamon. What's up? I hear you've been drawing recently. Why am I speaking with this sort of accent? I'm going to start over again. because I'm that doctor? Oh, hi, I'm Dr. What's his name? Jacob? Nope. Jennings. Jennings. Jacoby. Summer. Derek. Summer. On a summer. Hey, Eamon, you've been drawing recently. What have you been making? How about some Highlander magnet? hey If you go over to our Etsy site, you can buy some new Highlander character magnets. Or our Facebook page. Definitely. Or our Facebook page. Kyle, who's on these magnets? We got all your favorites from the Highlander TV show. We got Duncan. We got special Scottish Duncan. We got Amanda. We got Joe. And we even have Mythos. It's some outrageous shit. The artwork is incredible. Incredible. Hi today. We ship anywhere in the world. So we should be clear now about what happens in both the theatrical cut and special edition. So like we said, this chase scene that we described is only in the special edition. Right. In the special edition, they go from the chase scene to going to those coordinates where the hole in the shield is. They climb up some weird ladder. And they're able to see above the shield. And they, like, see the blue sky. Louise sees the blue sky for the first time. Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Then they decide they are going to go back to one of these shield facilities to try to destroy the whole shield. Right. In the theatrical cut, though, we go straight from this issue with Connery. And they're, like, in this Supermax prison. It's, like, the prison and the shield appear to be the same place we're never sure where we are yeah, yeah it's like are ever. you yeah. it seems like 
they're in the same facility. Uh-huh. And, like they go right from trying to rescue Alan to trying to blow up the shield. Yeah. And there's like no separation between the two. But it gets really confusing because also like well we're in Blake's office I guess and he's looking at the shield. Isn't the shield? Yeah. I don't know. And so at this point. Blake is like, you fucked up, partner, and it's ridiculous. And also, yeah, how did he fuck up? You fucked you up. You fucked up. Yeah. Well, did they film that assuming that Katana was supposed to stop them when they retreated? But he that happened fucked. five years later. But, I but think it, was it was intended in... to be filmed. Oh, okay. okay. So I get it. Yeah. I guess, like, he was supposed to stop them. He didn't. Yeah, then he fucked up, partner. You oh. fucked up, partner. So what happens to Dr. Cox, Keith? Oh, my God. Katana grabs Dr. Cox... By the cocks. Yeah. <laughs> and there is like crunching sounds. Crunch- and he goes, ah! The way he, he screams, screams is amazing. He lets out like a Home Alone level yeah. scream. And it's just like on his screaming face for like a good chunk of time. Uh, and then Katana throws him out the window and there's and a good a great pretty dummy. dummy fall. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we see a bloodied up Dr. Cox on the ground. It's mm-hmm. pretty rough. The, the, Dummy fall is just outrageous. I love the dummy fall. <laughs> it's so silly. This movie has two pretty good dummy moments. What's your other favorite dummy moment? Where the jetpack guy crashes into the wall. And yeah, that's pretty fire. good. And there's like another good dummy moment in the train. The guy oh, smashes yeah, through the window. Yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> and the little baby dummy that like <laughs> flies to the back of the train. Uh, so then we cut again and Katana's like looking around. He's at the, on the top of something. And again, in the theatrical, like, this all literally makes sense in the special edition. Yeah. This is that scene, actually, we're cutting right now to this scene that was way earlier in the movie where he first fights Where the cab driver is all of a sudden back and gets killed. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. So he's on the top of this thing, wherever it is, and he's like, I'm waiting. Yeah. It's impossible to know in the theatrical version where he is. Right. Then at some point, Connor and Luis, like, they round a corner. And Luis is like, hi, to a guard. And Connor, like, bops him on the head. And then Mac is like, showtime. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, what is this? Jim Carrey. Yeah. <laughs> it's Smoke really it. nuts. So Luis gets a gun, and, like, she's in a gunfight with... Then there's, like, a shootout, which he abandons her. In. Yeah, and yeah. we like, never find out he's, what really he happens He's literally there. bulletproof. And he's like, no, you should be the one who has the gunfight. Yep. This entire scene, the showtime thing, and her in this face-off with these goons, that's all cut from the special edition which makes sense because it's like who knows what this scene is even about yeah i'm like are they in max are they in this new facility where are they what is it it's all gone so then we're in this weird hideout that katana's in and so jerry falls from the, the ceiling or whatever and so mac is like making his way up the staircase as you said even like batman style uh and like this kind of jaws music is playing there is a weird bit of music and I had to watch it a bunch of times to make sure it's not a problem with the version of the movie we were mm-hmm. listening to. This is how poorly edited the sound on this movie is. They screw up, like, the looping Uh-oh. of the soundtrack. Like, they clearly needed some more vamping of this orchestral music. So I'm going to play this clip. And you will hear the sound go out. And then, like, it'd be like, and it just restarts. It's like <laughs> they just had to, like, go back and start the, the music again. It's awful. So listen for the score to skip when they just decide to... Hit play again. So you're gonna hear this like Jaws ish music. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just start it over again. Make it last longer. Wow. Man, Bear needs that advice in the alleyway. Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> so then we get a fight. So we're backtracking a little bit. We didn't yeah. talk about this 
in the special edition. So in the special edition, this happened like 40 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> I guess is this choreography good? Uh, I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I feel like the music again is really doing a disservice to... Yeah, this music's awful. It's like, like the it music's match. really fun and adventurous. Yeah. I don't know. It's big props to Michael Kamen. It looks like Ironside is like struggling a little bit with this giant sword. The choreography's slower. It is slow. Slow is the word for it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And like he's using his weird Zeist sword throughout the entire fight. Both of them, I guess, are using weird Zeist yeah. swords. Yeah. So it's not like iconic in any way. Nothing about it is feels special yeah. at all. Yeah. It's just forgettable. Until this elevator scene, I guess. Yeah, so they end up kind of working their way up to this, like, platform. Oh, at one point, doesn't he stab him in the stump, like, s- like really hit him in the stomach with this Zeitz sword so, in yeah. part yeah. of this fight? Like, it seems like he practically c- cuts him in twain with this <laughs> Zeiss sword, and he just goes along like nothing happened. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, that's happening. <laughs> Fair enough. But then they somehow get on top of this elevator. Right, and Katana swings at McLeod. He misses, I guess he hits the cable, and this elevator just goes shooting down to the bottom. And Mac rides it to the bottom. And so this yeah. is kind of cool, I think. I and actually Lambert did this stunt. Uh, yeah. We should talk about, well, we should let Lambert talk about doing Do what he this does stunt. Yeah. Generally, when you are on an elevator, you're inside the elevator, not on top of the elevator. In uh, the movie business, <laughs> you can be on top. So I don't want to miss that. That's the reason I love making action movies. I'm doing things that I cannot do in real life. I don't want to miss them. (laughs) Usually you're on in the elevator, not on top of the elevator. But in movies, he likes doing movies because he could be on top of an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this kind of separate, like this puts an end to their fight initially. So Connor was able to go back to Luis in the other version. But in the regular theatrical version, it just like cuts from this to just another fight. Yeah, like (laughs) it explodes and then all of a sudden they're... What? Is this them when the gunfight happens? Or no? no there's just... a, well, there's a little bit of the gunfight. It, it cuts back to Luis, and, like, her gun is, like, jammed up. Yeah. And so I'm like, we're, I'm like, what's happening? Oh, like, is she in danger? Yeah. And uh, then they're on the roof of this shield generator complex. Right. In the Death Star core. And Duncan, sh- or Duncan, <laughs> Connor shows up wearing a different outfit. Yep. Right. Because, because he's wearing... This... Now he's wearing the jackets they stole from, like, goons at, like, the Max facility. Whereas in the elevator shaft scene, he was just wearing, like, a leather jacket or some shit. And he also is now wielding the The katana. (laughs) Right. Which, where did that come from? No, he just yes. ha- All of a sudden, he just has it, and this fight is just happening. Yes. Katana versus Katana. So Katana's up there waiting for him. And again, when they reordered this movie in the special edition, this actually makes sense why Katana's there. Because if you remember in the scene before where he's talking with Blake, Blake's like, well, what if he got the coordinates? He'll know that the ozone's okay. And so this is our clue to Katana to, like... Oh, if they know the ozone's okay, they're gonna want to destroy the shield. Where can I find McLeod? At the shield generator. Like, right. so it actually like it, they could it do a better like some logic. To they it. could do a better yeah. job, I think, explaining it. But it's like it actually does follow. Like that's why he's there, waiting for him because he knows that he got the clue to go there. So yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, in this version, not so much sense. So it's super confusing. They start fighting. Uh, Again. It's kind of the same yeah. as it's, what we've seen. Yeah, and we, at least now he's got his fucking his katana. real sword, yeah. yeah. At least he's got, like, the look we care about. Uh, in a couple of the scenes, like, Lambert did get injured on the set a number of times. Uh, you can see, like, his cuff rolls up. You can see he just is leaving. He left on the, the hospital bracelet. He's still wearing <laughs> a hospital, hospital bracelet. bracelet. Amazing. Maybe he's just counting on going back, so he's 
some sleeve it on it. Has yeah. like info on it. <laughs> the one cool part is when Katana gets his like hand caught in the shield. Beam. Oh, so yeah. that's the that's like the turning point in the fight because yeah. Katana's kind of got him on the ropes. He's like getting ready to take his head, and then Mac just kind of grabs his hand and stuffs it into the shield generator. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was cool. That allows him to turn the tide. I don't know who did the fight choreography in this movie. Was it Bobby Anderson again? No. I don't think so, right? No. But, I mean, he came back for the show. There's this move that Connor does a lot where he, like, swings the sword backwards. Yeah. And it's so strange. It's like it's odd. And it seems like it wouldn't even work. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, he has the blade going, like, behind him, and he's, like, lunging forward. Like this. Well, that might be lifted from Zatoichi, the blind swordsman. That was his move. He held the sword, like, in an opposite way. I don't know if they're, like, stealing that or Hmm. what. I don't know. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how did he get the sword? That's my biggest The sword that was in the fan room (laughs) with Connery when it exploded. I, like, paused it when the fan comes down, and it's, like, it's there. Right. As, like, and they're out of the room. This is, like, basic continuity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Like that sword was literally exploded. Yeah, yeah it was like exploded. Like, should we? Since we're talking about swords, should we talk a little bit about our main villain Katana not using, using a katana? katana? Why is his name Katana? What's the Ryan Samurai Cup? Katana. That means Japanese sword. Japanese sword. It means Japanese sword. sword. <laughs> it means Zeist sword. <laughs> I don't know. At the very least, if he just had a katana. katana. No. You know what the actual fix is? His name is not General Katana. something else. His name is General Akbar. General Gork Nort. (laughs) (laughs) Would be better than General Katana. Also, what's his first name? Uh, Sword. (laughs) Japanese. (laughs) Well, it's like, do you guys ever play Metal Gear Solid 2? Yes. Solid as Snake has, like, cool two katanas. He has, like, the small one and the long one. That could have been cool. He's got, like, the wakisashi. Yeah. If he had those two, that would have been cool. Instead of just a big extendo sword. That, that we've seen a, a villain wield before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he has General uh. Katana and he, like, swings cats around. <laughs> 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 They're just, like, nunchucks of cats. Yeah. So Mac wins the fight. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... It's pretty anticlimactic, I feel like. It's it's over very fast. It's just, a very fast fight scene, yeah. all in all. Like, little fanfare. Like and the, no emotional content. No! no. And, and Louise shows up... Just to for, watch. At, at the end, kind of just to yeah. watch. <laughs> so, Mac is like, there can be only one. Yeah. Uh, even though, the game Even though the game doesn't seem to really be a player in this. Like, yeah. I kind of forgot, forgot about that. Don't hate is, the game, hate the play. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. And it's a wimpy quickening. It's so wimpy. So I've got questions about this. Well, he walks into the shield. Let's talk yeah. about that first. And it blows up. He like walks into that beam of light that screwed up the general's hand. Like yeah. that was what enabled Connor to win this fight. He just walks into it and it blows up the whole shield. <laughs> right. And the satellite in space that yep. was like receiving signal from And it, it blows up the entire top of this building. So like yeah. Luis is dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the visual of him walking into the beam was cool. Yeah. But like Kyle just pointed out and that I didn't think of when I watched it, doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Well, I also guess- because he won the game so he should be mortal again. Right. Well, he has the choice to be mortal. He has the choice to grow and die or go to Zeist. He does not have the choice to just remain remain an immortal on Earth. Yeah. Unless there's a C choice that they didn't tell us about. Or no, is there a C choice? How is there a C choice? It's never mentioned in the movie. It's never mentioned that he could just stay. And be immortal now. 
That's not a choice. Yeah, that's not an option. The priest guys didn't give him that but choice. I'm saying, what if you just don't make a choice? It's like, oh, I want neither of those things. They, Do you they, have to make a choice? They said that McLeod, at least in the extended edition, they point out explicitly that Connor has not yet made his choice, but he is growing old and dying. They say he hasn't made a choice, which I think the default position is this is your mortal when you grow old and die. Well, Wait. you got these guys buried in the underground in Highlander 3, the Warlock, or whatever it's called. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I was wondering... Is, does he get like part of the quickening at the beginning, like a little, little bit, bit of it. a little taste of it? Like, and then he's like, ah, oh. and then he gets into the thing, and he gets the whole quickening, and the quickening is what blows up the shield. Or does he get the full quickening from Katana? And then what I think makes more sense is he's doing what Ramirez quote unquote. He's, he's fully taught. measuring his life. Yeah, he's yeah. doing the Ramirez move at the end and being like, I'm gonna just like blast my highlander energy <laughs> so, like, blast ramirez, my load into this shield so so just so we're clear on this ramirez his full measure of life is the ability to stop a fan and open a door yeah and connor's ability is to blow up a massive network of shields spanning the entire earth maybe mm. all right I mean, I've got a I mean, better I explanation. I don't know what is yeah. going on in this scene. This but, doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> so he blows up the shield. There's like a shot of the night sky. So it's like, oh. You, you see stars for the first time. Also, this should be the daytime, right? Yeah. Like it's, It absolutely because should. They, they, especially in the special edition. Like, they show more shots. And it's like, oh, like, here's the city. Yeah. Isn't it pretty? It's like. It's all dark. I can barely see anything. Like, yeah. yeah. It should have been the daytime. Well, I think they're reusing shots. They're yeah. reusing footage that they'd already shown with the shield and just replacing it with the sky. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Which I imagine is a lot harder to do when you have to put in all the light effects. Yeah, then yeah. painting in a whole new thing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, to me, this ending should have been in the daytime. Absolutely, it should. But Yep. Ramirez has this voiceover, and he kind of recaps this measure of life thing. And it will be glorious. And then there's just a freeze frame right. of McCloud. Yeah. And, and then the movie's over. It's yeah. over. <laughs> and also, he says it will take the power of you both to destroy the shield. What does Louise do? She shoots some of those guys, I guess, maybe? She could have stayed in that dumpster the whole, the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. she's, That's she's, after the credits. She, like, comes out of the dumpsters, like, hello? And she's like, arrested. She really accomplishes <laughs> nothing in this movie. No, it's she, terrible. She, she, gets the, she gets the initial information that the S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't doing anything anymore. Right, yeah. which is cool. Like which She's is like cool. an action hero in the very beginning, and then suddenly she can't be And anymore. then they get that information three more times yeah then naaman tells them then they go see the hole in the then naaman tells them again then they go see the hole in the shield all right so we got to talk about the other ending of this movie which other ending of this movie all right well in the special edition let's talk about that one first Okay. okay they go outside the opera music comes back yeah which okay it's like cool i guess to like it's a ring Sorry. <laughs> uh, they like smooch it on like a riverbank or whatever, and like, yeah. the shield's in the background or whatever. Mm-hmm. The building. Just around the riverbank. Uh, and then we get more Connery. This is where the Connery voiceover is. Yeah. Oh, it's not in the other one? No, it's not when he blows up the shield. Oh, it, like after. he blows it up and it's just over. I thought there was always a voiceover. No, no, no. In the theatrical release, right. he blows up the shield while there's a voiceover. Okay. And then there's a freeze right. frame. Gotcha. In the Ultimate Edition, he just blows up the shield. Then they're out on the street smooching. smooching yeah. Then they get the thing, and yeah. then it's over. That's it. That's yeah. it. Okay. Because they get their smooches. All right. And now we're going to play this. So this is the fairy tale ending that the producers spent their own money to film. And this is mm. only in the UK version. Right. And only, so, I guess, in the UK theatrical version. And it never got released otherwise right this is not what made it into the renegade cut no 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 (laughs) this is literally like one point in time what's your game shitheads 
Will you show me your home? Can you see from here? See that little star next to the moon? That's where I'm going. Come with me. I can't, and you know it. Sure you can. Well, how? It's a can of magic. Come on. We can do it. Remember, Highlander, you've both still got your full measure of life. Use it well, and your future will be glorious. So the fairy tale ending of this movie, he like points out to her in the night sky. Oh, Zeist. Like where they can Zeist, see Zeist. Where, where Zeist is. From from, from Earth. Earth. Like with your <laughs> naked eye, you can see Zeist. And then he like ghostifies. Like yeah. he Obi becomes Obi-Wan. Right. And like floats into the air. In his jeans. Like yeah. <laughs> And she's well, like, I can't come with you. And he's like, You can, you can come with me. And then she ghostifies. Yeah. And this is now where you get the Connery thing. Right. This right. is now where you get the full measure of life. And then they ghost off to Zeist together. Yeah. <laughs> to Zeist up the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Zeist up your life. Every boy and every girl. So like, is Connor now like the de facto leader of Zeist? I don't know. Is he like their king? I don't know. But was he chosen to defeat Katana in this way, like on Earth? And now there's no more rebellion? Like this or was- is he about to like go and form a bunch of rebels? Like, I took care of your problem, bruh. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he fulfilled his like sentence. Like this was his sentence for rebelling. Yeah. Was exile to Earth. So like are all those priests gonna like be angry at him? Like, oh, you're back. Or are they just going to be like, oh, I guess you're acquitted, yeah. but it's still like... Is your there faith sti- restored? Yeah, but is there still like a need for a rebellion on Zeist? I don't know. We never knew what they were rebelling about. Well, right. like, I have to imagine he's got like a whole series of like high-level commanders that are not going to be vying for his position. Like I imagine Zeist is about to... It's probably still on the cusp of a very brutal civil war. <laughs> right. Well, like, who, wh- who knows what he's coming back to? Or when he's coming back right. to? Yeah. <laughs> Has 500 years passed on Zeist? Isn't everyone he knows there dead? Dead? Yeah. For, maybe. Because if, if he was mortal on Zeist, like all well, those Katana other relatives toast. Right, Katana didn't die. They have a different calendar, I guess. I guess. It was supposed to be like a p- point that never made it into the movies was like one day on Zeist is equivalent to a year on Earth. All right. Oh. That was like their thinking. That would have been important originally. information to include. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they're practically immortal because no. of, like, time differences or whatever. Relative to Earth. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it would at least explain how, like, he'd still be alive. Interesting. Yeah. If he was not also immortal. But that's probably not canon because it's not in any of the it's versions of the movie. Nothing about this is canon. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like Luisa's mom probably has some issues because, like, if she had dinner with, like, Mac and Luis at some point... 
she would lose her mind. It's like, wait, you guys like hooked up in a dirty alley? <laughs> and then it's like, how long have you like how long has Luis known McLeod? A day? Two days? Yeah. And now she's Maybe. going to strange And now she's going to outer yeah. space with a stranger. Yeah. After winning the fight of her life, like accomplishing her lifelong her goal, goal that she right. founded the vanished cobalt yeah. for, she then is like, oh, I'm not going to stay here to enjoy this. Yeah. She got to see like the sun for the sky for like two, two minutes seconds. on that mountaintop. Yeah. Then they destroy the shield. It's still nighttime, and he's like, "We gotta bounce. Like, <laughs> we're going to space." She's like, "How about we wait till the morning so I can see a sun sunrise?" Nah, nah. <laughs> Once in my whole life. No. Nope. We're just gonna go to my shitty desert planet. Yeah. You'll love it. It's beautiful. You're gonna love it. <laughs> it's beautiful. You look pretty zeist. <laughs> zeist. West zeist. How would you guys have rewritten? Maybe not rewritten this movie. What What would have been an appropriate Highlander sequel for you? Oh boy. I feel like trying to explain it is pointless. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. And there and the explanations they came up with are rough. I mean, we talked about this during the fan reboot thing. Unless your explanation is dynamite, don't even bother. Right. Because it's so silly. Frankly, my version of a sequel would have just taken place in the past. Yeah. Right. Like that's the way to do it. It just the entire thing would have been in the past. It's a self-contained story. You're gonna need to like ratchet up the interpersonal drama because like there's a sense to which you know he survives. But, right. Like, you could have ancillary characters. Castagir could have been a main character. Like they could be fighting another bad immortal or something. Yeah. Ramirez yeah. can be there more. because he's still alive in the past. Yeah. Like it you know, even... it could all just it should have just all been flashbacks instead of yeah. flash forwards. Or like I mean. I wasn't like in love with the sorcerer, but that was a way better explanation if you wanted to move the plot in like a forward direction. Yeah, or I mean, just it's... fucking retcon it. There are still more immortals. Like, yeah, just redo that last segment of the the last couple minutes of that movie, and it's just like there are more people out there to fight. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, just ignore it and move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's what the series does, and it kind of works. Like, it works out fine. It I mean, it does perfectly. like it does raise some eyebrows initially, but it's like. You buy it instantly. You have though. to you like, move on. Then you have is, to move on. It is so yeah. much less disruptive to say, like, eh, there are actually more immortals than it is to say, well, actually, all immortals are from another planet and that you can reignite the game by sending more immortals from that planet to here. That is such a larger leap than, eh, you know, there was a couple more left. Yeah. There well, and, a couple more left. And also in that process, like, basically destroy the movie you liked this yeah. whole thing completely recast what was going on in that movie highlander 2 i can't justify that the first movie even happened but it kind of <laughs> had to right none of it makes sense yeah it's like really hard to stick the first movie into this movie storyline which is insane because yeah. this movie was made after it yeah and because of it yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> It's nuts. Um, very puzzling choices made from top to bottom on this thing. Like, I just don't understand how, like, a whole group of people got on board with this concept. Yeah. Like, how a, a roundtable worth of, like, creative types got on board, and then someone was willing to invest $30 million because they believed in the vision. I just don't understand it. And then the other thing I was thinking about, let's say this thing wasn't taken away from them by, like, the Bond company, or, like, none of that stuff in Argentina went wrong. This movie, as it is, is still a clunker. Like, it's, it's still got all these insane structural problems the plot's still nuts like yeah, no matter so much how of much the they script fix of, like, is still poorly written and poorly done and like the jokes aren't funny all these like, jokes like <laughs> yeah a good what like 25 percent of this movie if not more are jokes or like shithead jokes it's yeah. a kind of magic jokes weird lambarisms all the goofy settlers of Catan stuff like i don't know does highlander 3 have jokes in it it's the sexiest movie in 1995 mm. it has boobies 
<laughs> is that funny? No. no. <laughs> in Star Wars, people have referred to the machete order of wow, wow, like you should watch Star Wars to make it like more palpable with some of the prequels that people don't like. Is there a better way to watch Highlander movies? If you were like, oh, you should check out Highlander, do you say watch Highlander 1, 2, 3, 4? I say watch Highlander 1 and watch the TV show. And then that's what I if say. You And then watch... maybe 3, 4. Maybe. And then... Two and well, then just five? watch the movies at your discretion. Yeah. yeah, like you're not missing anything. The only one I haven't seen at this point is three. I've never seen ah. three. You're in for a treat. Do you remember the plot to Highlander One? Yes. Oh, cool. Then you've seen three. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, there's magic. Yeah, a kind of magic. It's a magic. You could say that. Oh. Kind of. <laughs> there were rumors, I guess, that the third movie was going to take place on Zeist. If this was successful, oh, I read that. That's yeah. scared me, but yeah. Uh, I mean, like all that stuff on Zeist in the beginning feels like it never gets paid off. There's this big conflict. It's like, oh, are we supposed to care about this world? And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, I guess they're not going back to Zeist or whatever. Shrug. Who cares about all those we, other people? We never even really know what the problem on Zeist is. Yeah. Like, well, we know that Katana runs things, and he's obviously an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, there's no way he's like a steward of a good government. Sure. Zeist is abandoned. Zeist is abandoned. Yeah, it's chosen one has left it behind. Well, except then, for in, in the fairy tale ending. In the in the the special edition, like, is it really improved that Zeist isn't mentioned? It's almost just as confusing that they're just from the past. It doesn't necessarily make it any less confusing. It just it just gets rid of that alien. gut reaction that like of they're why? aliens. Like, yeah, yeah. it just gets rid of that, that insanely stupid thing is what it gets yeah. rid of. That that almost adds a new layer of confusion to it like that they're going to the future and they had to re-record all the dialogue so if he goes back to the past and overthrows the katana government is he going to change the history of the human race <laughs> that's a great question well i i had a note on that right? actually what are, what are the ramifications of going back in time and changing the government or is yeah. it like a self-contained paradox where like our history assumes that connor defeats katana in 2024 on the sh on like the August Shield building. So you start with Highlander 2. You're wrong already. <laughs> Highlander 2 happens. This, and he goes back in time, right? Back in time. And he fixes everything that was wrong, right? And he changes the timeline. The timeline then proceeds as normal up until Highlander 1, maybe? And then the Whoa. TV show continues? Like he's created like a, uh, in Back to the Future, a tangent. Like he's got this alternate timeline. Where there's no General Katana, but how does that result in him fight? I don't, fight? I don't know. I don't know. Kurgan in '86, because he's immortal. I don't know. He he just lost his nice It doesn't though. matter. Ah, it's so terrible. Uh. <laughs> clean. Amen. Yeah. Let's use that to segment into another segment. Let's use that to segment. I just let's say? use that you segment did. to segment into another segment. Well, I didn't get to use these. Uh, I made a list of Zeist puns, Ooh. so I thought I'd just read them to you, and you can tell me what you think. Okay. <laughs> uh, a reminder of who the author is. It's me, so they won't be good. <laughs> we won't be nice. I'm just kidding. We will be. This movie's the greatest thing since Zeist, Zeist bread. bread. <laughs> that might be the best one. I like that. Well, I guess after they die, do they become a polterzeist? Ooh, I like that too. Ramirez sacrifices himself to save God. <laughs> Ooh, sloppy. <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, what was the... Oh, I did use this one. The Zeistgeist. That's good. That one is actually good. Yeah. That oh, one's okay. funny. 
Yeah, I didn't think Zeist about that one. Um, yes, that was number oh! five. You can go Zeist Versa. All right, okay. Okay. You, you, you undersold oh, yourself a little. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one of my favorite uh, spices to use in the cabinet is all Zeist. <laughs> oh! The Zeist girls Zeist up your life. The Zeist is right? Mm. Mm. Okay. If you go to Hawaii, it's really a parasite. <laughs> that sounds like you're going to get like a parasite yes, like yeah. in your foot. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite books in high school was w- Wuthering Zeist. Ooh, I like that. What's <laughs> um, that? What oh, guys, I was curious. With General Heathcliff. What do you call people from the planet Zeist? I don't know what. Israel Zeist. <laughs> what? <laughs> like Israelites? Israel yes, Zeist? I got that part. <laughs> Not great. Oh, and nobody followed good... Ed Zeist when no, making Oh, wrong. Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, that's been the Zeist puns, everybody. Zeist pun. How did they make this movie for $30 million? By the way, I adjusted for like the inflation rate on all this stuff. So check this out. So this movie had a budget of 13. The other, the original Highlander had a budget of 16. But if you adjust for inflation, if Highlander 1 was made in 1990, like this movie... Highlander 1 had a budget of $20 million, approximately. So this movie had $10 million more to play with. Wow. And where did it all go? I can't see any of it anywhere. Up in smoke. Didn't go into the script. Good men of the planet Christ. We usually rate these movies. Kyle, how many stars? One to five of, uh, let's see, uh, defaulted bonds would you give these? I give this this one defaulted bond. One defaulted bond. Damn. Wow. Uh, Eamon, how many uh, hedgehog haircuts would you give this? Hedgehog haircuts? I don't know. <laughs> like Cordo and Reno. Yeah. I and Keith. will give it one as well, or even maybe a half. Ooh, a half. Woof. I will give this movie one tall glass of warm milk from Jimmy. So yeah, our You're reviews were not boy, too favorable, uh, but they pale in comparison to film critic Roger Ebert's assessment of this movie. This is from his 1991 special uh, of the best and the worst. This is the number one worst pick for Roger Ebert. Of, of 1991. 1991. Oh, Let's boy. take a listen. And now my choice for the single worst film of 1991, which Gene has already said has the worst title of the year, yeah. Highlander 2. The Quickening. Now, this was the sequel to the original Highlander. Not such a bad title. A cult film in some circles, but you'd have to be more than a cultist. You'd have to be a zombie to enjoy part two, The Quickening. The movie takes place at a time in the future when the Earth's ozone layer has been depleted and the planet huddles, huddles under some kind of protective shield that's administered by an evil international cartel. The film stars Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert as two immortals from the planet Zeist who find themselves in the middle of this situation. The plot of Highlander 2, The Quickening, is one of the most hilariously incomprehensible experiences I've had in a long time. This movie shows real evidence of having been edited almost at random. Let's take out this and this. And and the science in the movie is just as crazy. I think in a way what got me, though, was the interlocking of all of these plots. The immortals from the planet Zeist who are caught in a time warp of their own involving the fact that they got oriented in Scotland 500 years ago, plus events in uh, the year 1999 and more events in the year 2025, plus the cartel, plus the ozone shield, plus...
plus the mysterious killer, plus the beautiful independent scientist who exposes the secret of the ozone. You know, in a way, all of this insanity could have added up to something that would have made a great bad movie. But Highlander 2 was so crazily put together, you get the impression that a lot of the key scenes were just never filmed. It is pretty incomprehensible. Yeah. The only question I have is something you said earlier, which is that you'd have to be a zombie to enjoy this, and I'm not exactly sure why a zombie would. Well, <laughs> I don't think a zombie would like this film. That's how closely I listen. Probably okay. proves why you didn't like That's it. That's it for this week. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with a special uh, show. There's that animosity the between them. Yowz. Uh, Yikes. Did nice. not like that movie, but a lot of people did. Ooh, uh, so somehow, I, somehow, a lot of people really liked this movie. Uh, so I went through some online reviews and found some lovely five star reviews of Highlander Two. This is from Sally Cat. I like all the Highlander movies. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Sally Cat. Great movie. I think I enjoyed the music the most. Excuse me. You really have to see Highlander One first, though, to get the whole picture. <laughs> five stars. It makes it so much more confusing. It makes it more yeah. <laughs> I like it. I'm getting more off Highlander. Five stars. Getting what? More, more off, off Highlander. Like, just more content, I guess. More off. More of Highlander? Maybe it's just supposed to be more of Highlander. I'm getting more Oh, maybe. <laughs> He's getting off. Getting off again, everything rough. went everything was good. And thanks again, everything was wonderful. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> what? Read that what do you mean? I was everything I expected when I bought this DVD. Five stars. <laughs> I like that one a lot. They're secure. I'm glad you were everything you were They're expecting. secure with themselves. That's a... Five stars, just what my child wanted. If a child saw this movie, that's awful. Oh, there's so much swearing. Yeah. Yes. And fucking. <laughs> Alley fucking. That shit's not for kids. Do yeah. it in bed. This one is a little tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's worth it. This movie is a legitimate 11 out of 10. It is, without any shade of doubt, the single greatest piece of cinema cinema ever committed to celluloid this movie is a tour de force of the human condition please allow me to expound a bit on its achievements right off the bat the acting is superb i especially love the attention to character detail and depth by the actors when michael ironside as the villain katana says ashes to ashes dust to dust if you don't take it out and use it it's going to rust you can feel the ennui that permeates <laughs> him right down through his soul also of note is the brilliant work peen. of yeah. John C. McGinley. Through his line in intonation alone, you can tell where his character is in his life and what his hopes and dreams are. <laughs> uh, it has fantastic plotting and massive scope. It makes lesser epics like Lawrence of Arabia seem narrow and constrained. <laughs> How many movies can so effortlessly change fundamental plot details with subsequent edits? Depending on the version you watch, you can be dealing with either extraplanetary beings, beings or time travel. Movies like Apocalypse Now, even with the substantial changes in the redo version, only manage to slow down the pace and add questionable character development with such efforts. It also looks towards the future like no other movie uh, with ideas like, <laughs> like hoverboards. Not even movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey with all its uppity pseudoscience were so bold. Uh, I was also very fond of the environmental themes that permeated the entire subplot. It's brilliantly poignant stuff, even in 2015. 15. Uh, it's such an amazing piece of film, I haven't even touched one of the most brilliant pieces of the puzzle. The quickening. Yet, I won't talk about it. Do you know why? Because words are an inadequate means of conveyance for such a beautiful and abstract concept. It puts trite, faux-intellectual dreck like Blade Runner to shame. <laughs> I am still, still, going. Yes, I'm still, still going. constantly amazed that mere human beings can come up with something this magnificent. Maybe Zeistians can. <laughs> so much so that it almost begs the question of divine inspiration. <laughs> 
<laughs> it puts humanity into sharp perspective and makes you realize just how menial accomplishments like the pyramids and space travel are in comparison. <laughs> the movie truly was a herald of a new age of cinema, one defined by these princes of the universe. Five stars. A song that does not appear in this movie. That was great. This is also one of my favorites. The truth about physics is revealed just by watching movies and playing games and eating good food and experimenting different things and hanging out around girls. It's really just an oxymoron for just everyone's cover-up of shit. Five stars. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, also, in my like looking through Amazon and various sources of like what this movie was getting, this movie by and large has more five star reviews than one star. Isn't that that's strange? Weird. It is. Well, it's like one of those things where like you're only motivated to take the time to write a review if you really like something or really hate it. I guess so. But how? Could- <laughs> the only reason I bought this movie was because Sean Connery was in it. Again, but it was a good movie, too. This person was surprised. Five stars. Wow. And this is such a good one. This is a one-star review someone left. Disliked intensely, I, as I have no Blu-ray player. Unable to watch. <laughs> they bought a Blu-ray by accident. And, and they gave it. it one star. Disliked intensely. <laughs> Sad. Amazing. Do we have any final thoughts on Highlander 2, The Quickening, or Highlander 2, The Renegade version? I mean... I never want to watch it ever again. I think we said most of what there is to say. I will say that say the Ultimate say. Edition is literally twice as good Absolutely. as yeah. the other one. It's just still not very good. It's just like edited into a cohesive movie. Like some of the finer like plot points might make, or the mythology doesn't quite make sense still. But it's like but, watchable. Yeah, at least as a movie, it makes sense. Yeah, like you can get from point A to B to C in the Ultimate Edition. That is not true in the theatrical cut. It's a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, it's like it's really like, like the power of editing. Like it really shows you like in what amounts to like some small changes. Like you just move a scene a little bit over this way or that way, or like these little changes like drastically affect the way lines get interpreted later in the theme, the movie and all this stuff. I don't think I've ever encountered a movie that has such a hard time getting from point A to point B. Like just getting around itself is like a monster in the theatrical version. It's... You know what's weird? I looked up the cast of this movie. Halfway through watching it, I was like, this movie feels really small to me, but it's like trying to feel really big. It actually has more, a lot more people than the original Highlander movie, but it does not seem that seem way. That way. And yeah. again, that's part of this choosing to set it in the future. It's like the fact that the original was set in both Scotland and New York, especially New York, like it populated the world with like people. You instantly are aware of like the world the universe exists in. Yeah. And that really helps. Like that's such a shortcut. Creating some sort of fantasy world is not an easy thing to do at all. Well, Zeiss doesn't really feel like a whole planet. And even like, the city Connor's in. It doesn't like really feel like it doesn't a even feel like a city. city. And it's not even a yeah. city. It's just a crashed ship. Yeah. There's no sense of scale. Yeah. And it's because of like their con- the constraints they built themselves, I guess. Yeah. We we don't go to that many places. Whereas Highlander, I mean, it was like filmed in like London and New York and Scotland. And, and there's like Boston Com- like you're in the Boston Commons scene yeah. and they're you're all over the place. They just didn't get what made their movie good. Yeah, do you think this suffers a little like that George Lucas syndrome? Like the the midi this movie gets compared a lot to like the midi chlorian aspect of Well that totally is present here of like, oh, let's explain where all the magic comes from. And then yeah. they just like went off the rails with it. Like it's worse than the midi chlorians reveal. Russell Mulcahy said something interesting where he's like, you know, we had to try something different or else why do it? 
like I don't want to do it if we're not like trying to push the envelope. Got to push the envelope. I guess that's one part of taking a risk is you Yeah, you can fail. Fail. Yeah, but when like all of human history is your canvas, why make this the risk you take? There's so many cool risks you might have taken i mean i guess they must have really been feeling i guess the burden of them painting themselves into a corner and i i feel like that Which could even contribute to russell saying to like it, it, we have to take a risk because if we just make a sequel that is whatever it's like it's clearly a cash grab it's like yeah. somebody just gave us money to make a sequel well i guess that's the other thing because bill, the movie ended i don't yeah. know bill panzer saying that's the question they were always getting is where did these guys come from so i think like they wanted to give the fans what they wanted and also, who wanted I that? Wanted, I really wonder how many fans really were clamoring for that. Or is that just like the vocal fans that are like, would yeah. write them letters? And it, like, it seemed like a lot of people wanted it. I mean, that might be an interesting question. Like, do you care where the immortals came from? No. Not really. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I guess, Kyle, like you said in the other episode, if they came up with a really good explanation, I guess I'd be like, oh, neat. I guess that's cool. But, but if they to, don't, have to be dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's like no, I don't really. If it's not going to add anything, or you know. But if you're two swashbuckling aliens from the planet Zeist, like that is not getting yeah. you there. We've juiced this orange. We've crushed the last sweet drops of content from this monstrosity. <laughs> Coming up next would be Highlander season three. Right? Highlander season. That's going to be great. Now, yeah. What a pick me up after this. <laughs> yeah, we need it. Real shot in the arm. Yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, we'll probably just jump right into it. I mean, yeah. yeah, get back into the swing of things next week and get into some Highlander 3. Uh, Season 3. Yep, I keep saying that. <laughs> we are not jumping right into the Saucerer. Saucerer. The, the, the Warlock. The, the Warlock. <laughs> Final Dimension. That's right. Ah, oh, boy. The That's another movie. Dimension. These titles. What's the first dimension? Good question. I'll <laughs> have to watch the movie. Well, it's like a dot, right? It's like a point in space. A point in space. A single... Mm. Very good. Point in space. We've all, we're definitely losing our minds right now. <laughs> yep. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, iTunes reviews. Yeah, write, write us those iTunes reviews, baby. Yeah. 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 Get them in. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, and we can't wait to bring you new Highlander stuff in the future. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. <laughs> Bye. 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 I'd hit that dude. <laughs> He'd hit that woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hit that woman, dude. <laughs> there we go. We do not endorse the views of Sean Connery.